when we talk about the Bible. I've been in, in ministry professionally for 10 years now and uh, have taught and been on one-on-ones with different individuals, and I know that this is a subject that comes with a lot of shame. I don't feel like I have the information that other people have. I don't feel like I, I get anything out of it when I go into it. Or when I, when I start into it, I fall asleep. Any of you guys been there? I've been there. <laughs> right? Numbers, right? You start reading through that, and that's a good bedtime reading. But there could be a great amount of shame that comes with this because sometimes we don't necessarily know what to do with it or, or we don't know what to look for in it. We open up and we kind of do the Bible roulette and we go, here, and then it's talking about babies being dashed on rocks and we go, okay, <laughs> let's let some dust get back on this. And <laughs> I'm not wrong, right? <laughs> But the beautiful thing about this book is it is teeming, brimming with life. The interesting thing about this book is it's also teeming and brimming with death. Have you guys ever seen somebody misuse scripture or abuse somebody with scripture? I had a, uh, a stepfather who was in seminary, and um, the way he used scripture was, uh, this was law, and in my life must be based off of it, but then uh, it, it would go to extremes to where my mother would be literally, uh, emotionally, and spiritually abused by the way he would use scripture. How is that possible if this is a book of life? The Apostle Paul says, and I don't have the scripture up there, but it's in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, the letter kills, but the spirit brings life. Now the context there, he's talking about the Old Testament letter and the law, but, but listen to this. The letter kills, the spirit brings life. Is there such a way to where we can go forward with still the letter, the New Testament included, and it could be killing versus bringing life when we have stripped it from the Holy Spirit? To paraphrase Paul, he, he's saying, apart from the Spirit, the letter kills. If you look into commentaries, there's plenty of commentators that will say the exact same thing as they're wrestling through what Paul is saying there. Jesus, in, in John 5, walks up to the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. They got this part down good. And he looks at them and he says, you search these scriptures because you think in them is life but it's they that point to me and you won't even come to me that you would have life. They knew scripture oh so well apart from the Holy Spirit and because of it they miss Christ altogether. Might there be ways that we do that? Might there be ways that as I go into this and I just try to apply my own effort, my own know-how, I pull out the commentaries, I do all these things, and I start diving in like it's a textbook, I might miss what the Spirit's actually doing, and, and no wonder we get kind of frustrated. 
And I walk away and I go, I don't really know what just happened. It's because I was doing it in the power of Nick. Plucked from the Spirit of God is an empty book, a book of death that just has a bunch of crazy stories, religious code, moral code. And I've I've watched as a lot of people have treated it that way and have tried to force it into their life and try and bind themselves to it, but without the Spirit. And it's only a matter of time before they're wore out, broken down, and weary. But when we plumb the depths of the Holy Spirit and we allow the Holy Spirit, this is a big part, to plumb the depths of us as we go into this word, all of a sudden it changes. All of a sudden, it's spirit-breathed. This makes sense? So, this word I'll describe here in a minute, Lectio Divina, um, but... Did I put that in the wrong place? No, we're not going to do that. Just Actually, yes, I will ask this. This is the question that I want to ask tonight. So when we talk about those different questions that we have of like, how do I go into it? I didn't get anything from it. Uh, how do I know if it's actually doing anything in my life? I want to kind of answer and address some of those questions by proposing a different question, a question that reorients us and refocuses us towards Uh, I think, a a right way of viewing Scripture. And the question is simply, what does it look like to receive the God-breathed book in a God-received way? What does it look like to receive the God-breathed book in a God-received way? And if you're not taking notes, I, I highly encourage you. Take this down in your notes. Live into this question for a while. And I'm, we're going to finish off tonight. I'm going to give you a practice, uh, what we would call a spiritual discipline, that you can, you can also live into with this question and start to see what does it look like for the Holy Spirit to start speaking this to me, to start awakening Scripture in me, and to start introducing me to the person behind the book, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what might it look like to read the God-breathed word in a God-received way. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Say, living and active. This part, discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, this is interesting. What this is saying is, if this book is living and active and it's discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart, while I'm reading this book, it's actually reading me. Bring me another book that does that. (laughs) When we think through that lens, we start to get a little bit of a picture of what does it look like for it to be God-breathed. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God. Say, breathed out. Profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. 
I, uh, it wouldn't be a, a Nick Mayo sermon if I didn't bring up either an A.W. Tozer quote or a Dallas Willard quote. So here we go. A.W. Tozer uh, said, I'm actually wearing my Tozer socks today. Uh, tozers for my Tozers. That's right. All right. You guys are like, what in the world is up with this guy? Tozer says, I've always felt that when we read and study the Word of God, we should have great expectations. We should ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the person, the glory, and the eternal ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. Perhaps our problem is in our approach. Perhaps we have simply read our Bibles as we might read a piece of literature or a textbook. Some of you guys are going, oh, that makes sense. Now I get why I've gotten so aggravated with this. There's a lot of confusing things in here. There's even things that seem contradictory. That's why we need the Spirit. When the Spirit starts breathing it into us, all of a sudden, even though the contradictions don't square out, they no, it, it's not like, oh, the contradictions went away. It's just now I have lenses to see, oh, these aren't actually contradictions. There's actually truth behind this. But it's a, a spirit thing. Perhaps we have simply read our Bibles as we might read a piece of literature or a textbook. 1 Corinthians 2.14, Paul says, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. He is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Another way of paraphrasing this is spiritual things are spiritually discerned. So if this is a God-breathed book, we would receive it in a God-breathed way. Have you guys ever gone to, you ever been to a church, maybe you're at a wedding, at like a, a Catholic wedding or something like that, but you ever, maybe you went into like St. Andrew's downtown beautiful cathedral church, right? And there's stained glass window up on the, the windows. You guys ever seen stained glass window? Yes? Now, I'm, I'm neither saying, oh, yes, we should have stained glass or not stained glass. That's a different topic for a different day. But, but the way that the, the church of history has looked at stained glass wasn't as if we worship the saints that are on the stained glass, but we look through the stained glass to the Lord who's looking through the stained glass at us. So the church has seen that for years. That's why it's a window, not just a, a picture. Well, the same thing here. This is a better representation. This is actually a more perfect representation because as we hold this up and I look at it, I actually find that Christ is on the other side looking at me through it. And perhaps we have lost what we are doing here because we've gone to it about the book and we've missed that we're supposed to look through it to Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us. Does this make sense? Yes. So, that question, how do we receive a God-breathed book in a God-breathed way, I want to give you guys a tool tonight this, again, is a tool from the ancient church. This goes all the way back to uh, the, the 6th century. Uh, it was a monastic tool that was, that was brought in, but really all it is is five different spiritual practices kind of wrapped into one way of approaching Scripture. 
So there's nothing crazy or mystical about this. It's just different disciplines that have been combined together that lead us on a journey with the Holy Spirit. And we would call this, again, Lectio Divina. That's how you say that. Lectio Divina. Say it with me. Lectio Divina. This is Latin for divine reading. You're like, why don't you just call it divine reading? Well, I feel like Latin sits, like, it lodges in me. I remember it more as we go forward. And I thought, hey, let's, plus it makes me sound really smart and cool, right? Oh, yeah, Latin. <laughs> and all it is, simply, is a prayerful approach to Scripture that gives space for the Holy Spirit to breathe and inspire the Word of God into our lives. You go, oh. That's not as scary after all. Lectio Divina sounded a little creepy. <laughs> you guys with me? Yes. But this brings us into reading Scripture in a different way than if we were to simply read through it as we were to read through a textbook or a novel. It brings a, an intentionality, a focus in that automatically within its very being of this discipline would invite the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. And in a simple way, if you don't remember anything else about Lectio Divina, it doesn't matter about Lectio Divina. Lectio Divina is not about the point. If you don't remember anything else, just remember this. As you crack this open, start by saying, Holy Spirit, would you lead me? If nothing else sticks with you, hopefully that sticks with you. Holy Spirit, would you lead me? You can even add, I can't do it on my own. This is a book of folly to my carnal mind. I need the Spirit to spiritually discern things on the inside of me. Would you awaken this book in me? Would you allow me to see through it like a pane glass window to see Christ on the other end looking back at me? Searching me, knowing me, discerning the intentions of my heart? A simple prayer can change the way you go into Scripture. It starts to take a lot, of the, a lot of the fear away. Oh, I don't know where to start. Well, start in the New Testament. Just open up to one of the Gospels and go through. Those are easy places to see Christ looking back at us because you see Christ on the pages. And you just go in, you say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Lead me, guide me, show me where Christ is. And all of a sudden you start to see him at work. I, wanna, I do want to address one of the questions. I was thinking about this and this dropped in my heart today. One of the questions is, I walk away and how do I know if anything is actually happening? Well, you can trust that God's word will do what God's word will do, empowered by the Holy Spirit when we partner with the Holy Spirit. So you don't need to feel anything in the moment. You know what the first five years of your life are the most formative years of your life? You know, I, I actually, it kind of comes and goes at this point, but I'm kind of deathly afraid of dogs, of all things, like even the like little ankle biters. <laughs> and, and what happened was when I was a kid, I was attacked by a dog. I don't even remember it. But it had a formative work on me. Just because you don't remember something, just because you don't know that something is doing something on the inside of you, doesn't mean that it isn't doing something on the inside of you. Every time we have our family over for, at least my side of the family, over for uh, the holidays, we get into conversations and things come up about our childhood, and I go, oh, I don't even remember that. Oh, yeah, I remember how that made me feel. 
I don't remember it then, but it, it did something to me. And all it took was a little bit of remembrance to bring it back. And then I go, oh, now I could actually see, yeah, that led to this, to this, to this. It's not based off of my memory, whether or not it actually had a transformative work in my life. Does that make sense? So you can go into it with confidence. If you get out of it and you go, I don't have any clue what I just read, praise the Lord. Just keep doing it. Do the next chapter tomorrow. <laughs> so, the aim of Lectio Divina is not Lectio Divina. The aim is simple. Be with the Lord in His Word. Be with the Lord in His Word. As I was thinking about this, I go, how interesting is it that every time we go back into Scripture, it's almost like we're brought back into the Garden of Eden. And we have that same choice that Adam and Eve had in the Garden of Eden. Am I going to choose life to walk in the cool of the day with God the Father? Or am I going to try and do it on my own? Every time we go in, we have this opportunity. I go, do I eat from the tree of life and walk with God through the pages of his scripture to where I see his beauty, behold his glory, and it does the work that only it can do, or am I going to try it on my own and take my little Bible McNugget verse of the day and try and really leverage it into my life and transform my We've turned it into a self-help book. It's the tree of knowledge of good and evil all over again. Some of you guys are going, ah, I get it now. And it's something that we grow into. You go, I get it, but I still don't know what it looks like. That's what this tool, Lectio Divina, is for. So, five different movements of Lectio Divina. This kind of, it, it feels a little complicated at first. You're like, whoa, okay, um, sure. Write this down in your notes. It's actually the simplest movements ever. So the first movement, slow reading. I'm going to come back to these and kind of break them down each individually. Second movement is meditation. Third movement is prayer. Fourth is contemplation. Fifth is application. Now, I will say, like I said a moment ago, as soon as you crack the Bible, pray first. Like, so maybe it's kind of like six movements because there's two movements of prayer in there. But anyway, I didn't want to make it overly complicated. First movement, slow reading. Read slowly. What does that look like? You're going to start... Tomorrow, maybe even tonight, as you crack this open, you're probably going to go through, yep, we're starting in Matthew, Matthew 1. Uh, I will preface, Matthew 1, <laughs> in, in the beginning of Matthew, has a lineage and a genealogy, so kind of the first days of reading is, maybe you do two tonight just to get past the because <laughs> you're going to get to the end of that and go, I don't know who any of those people are, except for like six of them. It's okay. Just, again, keep going. But you open it up. And you read slowly. This isn't about speed reading through it. it. Imagine walking with God in the cool of the day. Are you going to be walking super fast? Yeah, God, let's get this done. <laughs> let's move this show on the road. Or if you're walking with God in the cool of the day, are you actually just kind of walking, strolling, leisurely? It's okay to go through Scripture leisurely. Slowly, word by word by word, 
And then you read prayerfully. We don't pray and then move away from prayer. (laughs) Prayer is actually all throughout this thing. And you go, Holy Spirit, you're leading me. You're guiding me. Because I'm walking with you. I'm not on a, a walk myself. I'm on a walk with the Lord through his scriptures. And then you read repeatedly. I was just, I was reading through 1 Peter today. And I got through, like, literally, this still happens to me, literally like an entire chapter in 1 Peter, and then came back into it and realized I was just dazed for, <laughs> for that entire chapter. So I went back, and I read it again, repeatedly. It's a simple, like, we're making it simple, guys. <laughs> and then imagine the text. As you go through, the Holy Spirit wants to utilize your imagination. If you're, if you're reading through the story of blind Bartimaeus, picture blind Bartimaeus. What would that feel like for him? We're kind of getting into the second one, which is meditate. Now, you're reading slowly, reading slowly, and then all of a sudden something jumps out at you. Something pops off the page. You're like, oh, I've never seen that before. Or, oh, I have no idea what that means. <laughs> and then you start meditating on it. And you, you chew on it. This is what the, the scripture, when it uses the word meditate, it actually means to chew, to mutter, to murmur, to growl over. It's actually literally, the, <laughs> you would use the same term for a, a lion that had caught its prey and sat there just saliva running down its mouth, growling over its prey. I'm going to devour you. That's what the word meditate means. And you sit there and you talk about it. You go, oh, blind Bartimaeus, you might read that scripture over. Oh, the greatest of these is love. You might just meditate on it. The greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. The greatest of these is love. And you're just salivating over your, your prey. Ponder the meaning. What does this mean? What does it mean within the context? And that's where reading on your phone, if you, do me a favor. If you have your, your actual physical copy Bible, hold it up in the air right now. I want to see where we're at. Oh, Yes. Yes, praise the Lord. There's nothing wrong with reading. Trust me, I wake up in the morning and the first thing I do is I read the Bible version or U version Bible app and I read it on there. Don't worry about reading it. But when you're going to do this type of thing and you want to see context, the beautiful thing is you have a full page spread. You can look at, at chapter headings and go, okay, where are we at within the story? What's going on? What happened yesterday? What's going to happen tomorrow? And you could keep it within context much easier here as you're slowly moving through this and meditating on it. The question that we're asking in meditation is, God, where are you and what are you doing in the text? God, where are you and what are you doing in the text? Again, we're, we're looking through this to see Christ on the other side looking back at us. So when I go into Scripture, even if it's something that I go, I don't know where he is. I don't need to know. I ask the Holy Spirit, God, where are you in this? And what are you doing? In the context of what's actually happening on the pages. And sometimes study comes into this. How many of you guys are, are familiar with the Bible Project? If you're not familiar, look it up on YouTube. Fantastic videos. You might actually, you might actually start 
into Matthew by watching the Bible Project Matthew Breakdown, so that way you have context before going into it. And now you kind of know where it's taking you before you step into it. Now Holy Spirit can bring you all sorts of different places. But we, we meditate. We ask God, where are you and what are you doing in this text? After a while, meditating, chewing it over, we might go back and meditate on something else within the, the scripture. Then we come to a place where we pray and we bring it before the Lord. Sometimes that looks like praying the scripture. I, I love when I come to Paul's prayers, I love just sitting down and actually praying Paul's prayers with him. When we come into uh, like the Sermon on the Mount and you start seeing the direction that Christ is saying and I, I start praying those and I go, my simple prayer is, Jesus, you're right. <laughs> Even if I don't get it, you're right. We pray it. And then I ask God, what do you want to say to me? Or I bring things. Here's the thing. How many of you guys have ever gotten to a place in Scripture and you're like, that, that aggravates me. God, why would you do that? You don't have to feel shame about that. You just bring it to him. Even with that kind of aggression. God, why would you do that? See what he does with it. You don't have to be scared of that. Is that okay to say? <laughs> Look at David. <laughs> Look at Lamentations. Like, we're so scared sometimes to bring some of these darker emotions to the Lord, and he's going, bring it to me. I want to walk through it with you. The girls get it. <laughs> so we pray. That's two-way street. Dallas Willard, hey, Dallas Willard quote. <laughs> I knew I had to get one in there somewhere. Dallas Willard would say, prayer is us talking about, to God about what we're doing together. <laughs> it's a co-laboring. Like, I, I don't just loft things up to God and go, okay, I'll talk to you later. I wait for him to loft things back down to me. <laughs> okay? Next is contemplate. So contemplation and meditation, what's the difference? Meditation, we keep it in context. Contemplation, we don't take it out of context, but we apply it to the context of our own life too. In meditation, we consider what's going on in the text with the, the context of who it was being written to or what it's being describing. In contemplation, we go, how does this actually affect my life? How does the text speak to your own life, story, or circumstances? Again, utilize your imagination. Allow the Holy Spirit to start painting within your imagination how this actually comes into. Again, you might be reading Blind Bartimaeus. You might go, I'm not blind. But then the Lord starts speaking to you. Starts going, actually, there's a different kind of blindness. I want to speak to you. Or it's about faith. I want to show you the kind of faith it looks like to step out and actually pray for those who are blind. Pray for those who have need. And you start to get a picture in your mind, your heart, however the Lord speaks to you. Could be through images, could be through stories, could be through whatever it might be. But he starts to encourage you and ensure you up and you start to get a picture of how does this actually apply to my life. And then... We move on to, oh, 
contemplation, the question that we ask is, God, where am I in this, and how does this text speak to my life? And I will say, some texts are oddball texts, and you're not going to find yourself in the text. Like, we're talking about grand scheme. You're looking at stories that are happening in Scripture and different moves of Scripture. And then we get to apply. James 1.22 says, don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. But the beautiful thing, by the time we get to application, we've now actually gotten a picture of what it looks like within the context of Scripture. We've communed with the Lord about it. He gave us a picture of what it looks like in our life, and now we actually can start stepping into that picture. Much different than, again, the, I'm using Philip Yancey's word, the, the Bible McNugget where you just take the verse of the day and you go, okay, I'm going to run and do something with this. <laughs> no, we're actually, we're communing with the Lord and he's giving us pictures to where scripture, Eugene Peterson says, becomes more autobiographical. We start to find ourselves within the pages of scripture and then we also start to look up from scripture and we start to see scripture in the pages of our life. Is this okay with you guys? So how will you walk away changed? Is there something the Lord is requesting of you in response? Again, our goal, our aim of Lectio Divina is simply to be with the Lord in His Word. Application isn't the goal just yet. Like, that's, that's the benefit. That's the fruit. When we go into it just completely pragmatic of going, I need to have something that I can apply to my life every single day, well, you're going to go through large bouts of Scripture where you're going to go, eh, I don't know what to apply from that. That's okay. That's okay. That's not the goal. The goal is to spend time with the Lord, and then part of that goal overflows into the application of life. So what's the first step? Read slowly. Yes, slowly read. What do you move from slowly read into? Meditation. You're keeping Scripture in what? Context. Then you go into prayer. From prayer, contemplation. From contemplation to application. If it doesn't happen in that order, it's okay. <laughs> this should be an enjoyable journey. What I'm trying to do is take away a lot of the shame, take away a lot of the fear, and actually just give you a tool to live into for a season of time when you go, I don't know what to do. Just try this on for a while. Try this on as we go through the New Testament. You're doing one chapter a day if you follow this. Sure, you could read through that in five minutes super quickly. Or you could spend 10 minutes, double your time, go through it slowly, commune with the Lord about it, and then start journaling. What is God asking me of this? What's the picture that he's given me for the rest of my, for my life moving forward? You could also, there's some white space in here. If you want to, just write out a simple prayer as you use this as like a little 
bookmark. You can just write out a prayer that you pray every single day. Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. I can't do it on my own. I don't understand, so help me. It's a great prayer to pray. And you open up, you pray the prayer, and then you just walk through. And if you get to the end of the week and you go, I have no idea what happened, don't worry, something's happening. You get to the end of the month, you go, I don't know what happened, don't worry, something's happening. You get to the end of the year, you will have seen something is happening, I promise you. I promise you. So, um, are you you looking to close down right now? You're good. I'm going to squeak past one of my favorite things is Luke 24 on the road to Emmaus where the disciples were talking with Jesus and they say, were our hearts not burning inside us? when he was walking with us, revealing the scriptures to us. I just want to offer that over to you. Like, you're walking with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and he's going to describe the scriptures to you. Let him do it through his spirit.